Welcome among the released. That's it. That's me <laughs> for this month. It's the fifth birthday of the release podcast, but uh, we are under lockdown, so I don't have a guest, and I wasn't sure what to do to celebrate. I sort of dread recording this one. Uh, recording something on my own is not really my thing. I don't know if you can tell. Usually, from the credits at the end of the episode, I'm not a fan of recording those, and. Uh, I went through sounding like a robot because it was too automatic, being very clumsy to, uh, I don't know where I stand now. Uh, I don't know how much people listen to the announcement at the end. But yeah, that's it. This episode will start season six of the Rollis podcast. And I just realized I mislabeled all the MP3s of the show. So because, yeah, if you, for people with a very dedicated to detail, if, if you download the MP3 and look under album, it says the Rollis podcast season one, season two, season three, season four, and so on. And season four, at some point, I just missed because uh, I didn't celebrate it. So I thought that uh, I could cover on my own those five years of the Rollis podcast. So yeah, that's it for you this month. It's gonna be it's gonna be me. So I got my little post-it, one for each season, and let's see what they have to tell us. So D-Rice Podcast. Well, we started in 2015, August 15 to be precise, and we started with Kundin from the. Well, technically no. We, we the very first episode started with a neighbor. Uh, of mine uh, from who I never met again actually uh, she, she lived in my building block tabletop role playing games oh um, no I don't know any you, you never heard about it in the media or someone talking about it no no okay so I'm gonna try to give a, a little explanation <laughs> and you, you okay. can tell me what you feel <laughs> about that yeah I started to recall a little intro for me and then we did not even start it with Kundin. We started with our first time going out for a movie. It was uh, the first Ant-Man. Different times, 2015. We still were able to, to visit the movie theater. And, uh, you know, we had Endgame not that long ago. And it's interesting how the MCU happened alongside my life. So the first Iron Man came out around the time Persephilia and I got together. I don't think we saw it together. So yeah, there was sort of a MCU movie every year or so. So when we saw Endgame, that was kind of a a big thing because I, beyond the meta plot of the movies of the MCU, there was this aspect of, yeah, I started watching this before I met Persephilia, then we moved together, then we moved abroad together, then we got married, now we have a son and... Uh, now we're in lockdown and uh, and we don't have Black Widow yet. So, yeah, it is big part of life. And it's it's funny that some of those movies were covered on the roll list, I find. First episode, Ant-Man was there already. And first episode, so my guest was Kundin, the one of the founders of La Guilde des Rollistes Francophones de Londres, Guild of French-speaking tabletop RPG fans of London. 
My initial plan with the show with the Rollist was that each episode would be with one member of that club. And that didn't happen. <laughs> or not in that way. Uh, we had a few episodes dedicated to individual members, but that's not how things shaped up because as soon as uh, episode three uh, took advantage of a travel abroad to record something in Barcelona. Oh, actually, I remember now. It was with Canard in Barcelona. So it was still an interview about a member of La Guilde. I guess when things took a turn then was episode four, which was an episode about another club, about the roleplay heaven. It was thanks to the enthusiasm and the encouragement of Gary Harper from the roleplay heaven that the show very quickly opened up beyond La Guilde and we had three episodes with Roleplay Heaven. So episode four, we already had two episodes about London-based RPG clubs, but uh, we didn't have the format yet, which moving forward is going to be our standard for role-playing clubs, but more about that later. Roleplay Heaven, we recorded a couple episodes, one about Star Wars, one about James Bond, in addition to the one about themselves. And then my first convention, or at least my first time recording at a convention. It was my second time at Dragon Meat, but it was my first time ever recording there. And uh, yeah, it was really nice working from booth to booth, running into, uh, I remember Dominic from Quebec 07. I remember asking him, you you often uh, take care of the booth for Quebec 07? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm the boss here, so... I'm here with Dominic McDowell. You represent or you, you sell Cubicle 7. Uh, that's right, yeah, I run Cubicle 7. You run? Okay, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm that's the all right. Most misinformed uh, podcaster ever. <laughs> I always like those moments of uh, finding out who people are on the spot. But more importantly, this Dragon Meat first convention episode was also the first episode which included an actual play, which was something I never planned for. Uh, because actual play are not my thing, but uh, I recorded on the fly a session of A Song of Ice and Fire with Sam Webb as Game Master, which was Chef Kiss, awesome session. The recording was okay, sort of. I've not re-listened to it, although I recorded it with not that much equipment, and so it was a bit weird. Yeah, first actual play, and already investing too much of my time into editing adding sound effects and so on. But uh, I think it makes our own actual plays a bit special, a bit different. It's a question of taste, but I mean, personally, <laughs> tooting my own on, I've been listening to some critical role. All actual plays are better edited, I think. But yeah, it's not the point with them. Some people might find uh, our own actual play overproduced and that the, the sound effects are too much. But uh, yeah, I like them. They're fun to edit. They take an awful lot of time, but they're fun to edit. Here we are, Castle Black, at the edge of the world, with its uh, many little towers. We've got the Lord's, Lord Commander's Tower, King's Tower's already prepared up, waiting for any kind of royalty that might arrive, or visitors, generally, of nobility. You have been summoned to the Lord Commander's Tower, Lord Commander Mormont. We are only a few years after Robert's Rebellion. Everything is hunky-dory with the kingdoms right now. And Robert's going to bring a new piece to us all and all this kind of cool, awesome stuff. Uh, a few more episodes. Episode 10, our first episode with someone important in the industry. We had our Modifius episode with Chris Birch. That was the first of a long series now of very friendly and pleasant encounters with people who work in the industry. 
the interview with Chris was in person and it was followed with episode 12 with an interview with Monty Cook, which was a big surprise. Not something I planned for, but I got contacted by Monty Cook Games. I interviewed him online, so I didn't meet him in person, which was great. But now where I stand at the start of season six now, for the Rollis podcast itself, I'm trying to stay away from interviewing people online, which is part of the reason why today I'm recording alone. Otherwise, you end up interviewing kind of all the same people. All the, I mean, they're great to be interviewed and to listen to, but I find a lot of discussion show you end up with the same people promoting their Kickstarter and so on, and you hear from them on several shows. And I find forcing myself to meet people in person is sort of a way to, of having something which has a different energy, but also it sort of self-curates itself into having guests who are not seasonally interviewed on other shows, or maybe a lot of guests who've never been interviewed on shows even, and it doesn't matter if they are quotation mark, just members of the community or if they are someone very important. Everybody sort of has the same treatment most of the time. Sometimes I cook for them, which is a bit different, but more of that later. So yeah, that's season one for you. Uh, that was already quite a bit. Two episodes about the role-playing game clubs, a first episode recorded abroad, or first actual play, or first couple people from the industry proper. And it was weird and exciting and a bit all over the place. The quality wasn't there yet. But uh, those were exciting times. And uh, sometimes I wish I, I had this. I'm still passionate about the show, but I was kind of fearless back then. I would just try whatever. i do things which were unreasonable. Like the D&D episode for which I interviewed people in the street at Westfield Stratford. I wouldn't be doing that anymore. The Star Wars episode, I was interviewing people exiting the first showing of The Force Awakens. I mean, yeah, on one hand, it's a pity I'm not doing that anymore. On the other hand, I'm not sure I would have the the guts to do it again. But uh, yeah, I mean, go check them out and let me know what you think. And if you're a listener from those times, I'd love to hear your comments about how things changed since the very beginning.
Season 2. We started with a special first anniversary episode. Willem from Ice Cream for Everyone was my guest, but not exactly my guest. He was my host. So I forced him to interview me. I really listened to part of this episode and actually it was a bit cringy. Uh, not because of Willem, but because of me. Uh, again, this idea of having the guts of doing something a uh, bit weird. Yeah, it was a bit cringy to get someone to interview me on my demand. And I mean, it's a funny episode. It's interesting, but <laughs> me personally listening to it, I find I don't answer very well questions. I go all over the place. It's messy. And I, I direct Willem, who doesn't need me to direct him. It was a bit of a weird one, but uh, yeah, it was first anniversary. And uh, it was followed by uh, something which became one of our formula. It was our first episode about specifically one French tabletop RPG. It was the first episode which really was a discussion combined with an actual play. It was episode 14 for In Nomine Satanis Magna Veritas. Julie, July or Julie? I'm not sure. July, she game mastered that session. I really like this session. I really like the sounds I put in the background, especially when the characters are on the Eurostar. I remember a listener of the show writing to me and telling me that they were familiar with the Eurostar, but at the time they were living in Switzerland. And when they were listening to the show, they were on a train, but it's Switzerland. And they got very confused when they heard the announcement recorded in a Eurostar because they did not expect it and they, they were looking around in the train trying to figure out what was going on. I was very happy with those sound effects. Uh, the music I included, a few nods to French tabletop roping games and, and French pop culture. So that was uh, one I was really proud of, but I fit it all in a single episode. And uh, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. It's, it's just too much for a single episode. And as a result, just like the Dragon Meat actual play of A Song and Ice and Fire, had to leave the end of the actual play on Patreon. It's not in the episode, so you don't have the satisfaction of knowing what happens in the end, what is the conclusion. But, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, in a few moments... More passengers will be joining the train at Epsfleet and Ashford. So please make sure you are sitting in the correct seat. Thank you. Does anybody know anything about these French guys? I just... I don't know much about them, to be honest. I hope they're nice. Because I, I, in my previous life, I um, opened an account for a few French people and they were... Um, some of them were quite rude. So I was hope, hopefully we'll get on well with this. It was followed uh, with episode 15 with another travel episode, or second one, uh, this time going much further away. We went with Persephilia to the wedding of some very good friends in uh, Washington, D.C. So there was an opportunity to record in a game shop there. That was our first game shop. It was Labyrinth Puzzles and Games. I contacted them very last minute, and I didn't have any option regarding when I would record. It was that evening, that's it. That's the only time I can do it. They were very accommodating. The only problem is that we recorded a rather good short interview and then something went wrong with my recorder. Thankfully, I, I noticed 
So we, we managed to re-record something on the spot. That was also a fun episode because I was traveling to Washington, D.C., but at the same time, I was an employee here in London, and there was Amy Carter, who is a young adult novelist, who was visiting London. And she just tweeted, and I wasn't aware of her at all before. She just tweeted that, I'm in London, anyone wants to meet for coffee? And I replied to her, well, all about an interview, and she was happy to do it. So meet with a weird middle-aged geek. She was happy to do it. Uh, we went to um, a local bookshop, which doesn't exist anymore, sadly, here in London. It was either a foils or a waterstone. I think it was a waterstone. I mean, that's when I really realized how it's silly. But when you have a podcast, that's a very good excuse to have conversations with people who have a trade or they're somewhat important. Or I mean, all of that is relative, but it's a very good excuse if you enjoy having conversations with people to be able to tell them, well, well how about you meet me for a podcast? And that's what I enjoy the most with the Release Podcast, those opportunities to meet people and spend an hour with them talking about who they are, what they're doing and, uh, and what they love. So this interview is going to be a special across-the-pond episode, and uh, it was not planned at all. Well, hey, things just worked out. It's just uh, the magic of Twitter. You just tweeted, who wants to grab a coffee in a bookstore? And you answered, and it was I'm really excited. It's fun. I can imagine readers being very jealous of that. You're randomly having <laughs> a drink with someone. And they're going to be even more jealous, because I'm going to make a confession from the start. I already made it to you, but... I have not read yet one of your books, sadly. It's completely okay. You know, it's a little bit easier talking to people, I think, who haven't read it. I feel like writing a book leaves you a little bit vulnerable as a person in some ways, especially if there's any kernel of truth to that book, even if it's fantasy or science fiction. Um, there's always that little kernel of humanity that has to come from within the author and... It, it, it makes you a little bit more vulnerable, I think. So I, I'm okay with this. I'm good with this. I was mentioning on the nominee that we had to cut the end short. We did a Star Trek episode shortly after. And, oh boy, <laughs> this episode I was very, very proud of at the time. But there was so much into it. There was a discussion with Chris Birch. David F. Chapman, who at the time was working on Star Trek Adventures for Modifius, shortly after he had to leave the project due to availability issues. And John Champion from a podcast which is Star Trek Mission Log, a Roddenberry podcast. I was over the moon to have this podcaster on my show online, recording from the Roddenberry Foundation. And then on top of that, we had an actual play recorded in conditions which were not great in terms of the number of microphones I had, where they were placed, the number of players, discussing before and with the Game Master how things were running and what would be ideal for a podcast, something I was not even really conscious of at the time. And then there was also a Vox Populi interview with Paige, a fan of Star Trek, who I interviewed at a lecture given by Nichelle Nichols. Uh, for people who are not aware, she's the actor who plays Uhura in the original series and the original movies. And yeah, I put all of that in one somewhat bloated episode. And this episode, <laughs> I used this episode to make a submission 
to join the RPG Academy network then. And I, I know people there thought it was a nice episode, but it was way, way too long. And uh, yeah, it was the end for the actual play to be in a single episode. Following that, whatever the topic, I started doing multi-part episode. Which brings us to episode 18, which was multi-part, or first multi-part episode, I think. And uh, that was the very first podcast zone. So right after, the year after my first recording at Dragon Meat, the very friendly people of Modifius, especially Chris Birch, were kind to offer me a, a space at Dragon Meat. And I asked them if it would be an issue if I would share it with other podcasters because uh, the more the merrier and thus the podcast zone was born and yeah i had my little booth the first podcast zone it was a magical moment it was very organic and the, the people i met there and how we interacted was just truly awesome and it was great meeting listeners also through this mean and among those people were mira who you might have heard in a couple of our episodes later who later joined the Formal Gamer also, and it's quite amazing. So Mira, we are very good friends now, but our first ever conversation we had is on the show. So it's documented. That's another aspect I really love about the Rollies podcast, is that it's a way for me to document things like the first time I encountered some people, and the first time... Some games I play and I especially enjoyed. All of that is documented, neatly edited, and included in the show. So I got very fond memories of some episodes which are lying around there. Okay, now I'm joined by Federico. Yeah. Federico, not only you are one of the many very friendly members of the Roleplay Heaven, which exactly. we had a special episode about, <laughs> which people should listen to, you also are, what's the right term, author of a game called Nib Nibiru? Yeah, I am actually writing and producing my game, which is a role-playing game, sci-fi role-playing game called Nibiru, indeed. Are you from Italy? No, I'm actually from Argentina, so quite far away. Oh, just nice. the other side of the world. <laughs> That's quite cool, Argentina. I love uh, Argentina. I miss, I used to take tango classes with my wife here, but uh, yeah, too busy with the podcast yeah. now for, for yeah. dancing, uh, right? anymore <laughs> so um so Ange argentina and uh, you started writing your game here in london yeah 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 i moved to london about two years ago basically to kind of like look for what i was passionate about and well, i ended up doing role-playing games and uh, yeah it's, it's an idea never was an idea that kind of like started back home but uh, i actually went down and, and started writing about it once i was here and it has been developed quite fast, so yeah. A couple episodes later, episode 20, we had... What is... For the subscribers, apparently, this is the most downloaded episode. This is our Nephilim multi-part series, which included Mira as a player, and she was awesome. It was her first time playing it, and I loved her performance. The three players were awesome. We had Willem, seasoned with Nephilim, and we had Robert, who was seasoned with Nephilim, but uh, was not native French-speaking, but instead uh, a Briton was a fan of the game. I really loved bringing those three people together and with the discussion and the actual play, do something which I think is very representative of what Nephilim is for me and a lot of French-speaking rollists. 
And yeah, <laughs> I was just just very happy. Uh, I'm still very happy that, that it's out there. I received messages from someone, I believe it was in Sweden, who told me it got them back into playing Nephilim. They had played with some French people at some point and they were not sure which roping game it was and they found out thanks to this episode. So they seeked out copies of the game and they ran it again. If you're that person, please reach again to me and let me know how it's going with your games. I'd be very curious about that. I was even contacted by one of the authors of the original game, uh, by Fabrice Lamide. Didn't have uh, an opportunity yet to record together, but it made me very happy. When I'm trying to recommend the show, that's the first episode I share with them because I'm over the moon about the discussion and so on. And it's a format at the time I would do more of. I didn't really have the opportunity, but I'd really like to cover more French role-playing games through this mean of playing the game and having the discussion. So that's something I'm trying to have others come out of the ground. But uh, yeah, been busy with other stuff. You wake up soaking wet. <coughs> you don't recognize your clothes. You don't have your armor anymore. You don't have your skirt. You just have a very simple tunic, which is light blue and very, very thin. You, you don't remember any kind of fabric like that. Do I still have my Simulcrin's body? I haven't changed bodies, right? You look at your hands and you don't recognize them. These are the hands of a young woman. <laughs> what? I'm still completing the Kabbalistic ritual as, as she comes through, by the way. Ashachachim. Ashachachachim. Ashachach. So after coughing and spluttering, I sit up and get, I say, who are you and what, what are you about? But before you do that, you got something uh, blocking your mouth first, so you can. You can... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and second, you start reaching out into your simulacrum. The first thing you see in her memories is people lining up with parchment in front of you, and you're sitting at a table, and they come to you for advice. No, no, it's it's not advice, and they come to you. They, they want you to write on their parchment. No, no, it's not parchment. It's something else. It's something you never... S- yeah, it's books. It's your book. Oh, I'm a writer. They're coming for you to sign their book. I'm a famous writer. Do you think we can remove the S&M um, paraphernalia now? It's not really S&M. Are we done with this? Is she, is she all right? I'm going to go into car vision and, and see what she looks like in car vision. So you look into a pentacle. It's obviously a, a Nephilim. She is uh, slightly more powerful than you used to be a second ago. Yeah. <laughs> the dominant color, essence, and connection making to the field, it's got a, a silvery tone as oh. it is a Nephilim or rather an onirim, an ephilim of the moon. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't mind the moon per se. It's just the moon, selenium, you know, there is a connection. What is it? Well, moon, nephilim are more likely to become selenium. Oh, no. <laughs> Not one of those. I'm keeping it attached. That's- I'm going to say to that, I'm, I'm, I'm Eligor, I am also a nephilim. Oh, but did I know I'm that gonna... before? I did, right? 
Uh, that year, more uh, our second game shop abroad. Uh, we went to Florence, some uh, personal holidays, which I, I took advantage of. I'd like to do a whole series visiting game shops. I already mentioned it. It's one of the goals in our Patreon. By the way, I'm working on the website with the support of my brother at the moment. So I'm trying to bring this to you, but traveling more, maybe within the UK, maybe further, specifically to record episodes in game shops abroad would some, be something I'd really like to do, uh, at least when the pandemic is under control. If you like the show, consider going on Patreon and supporting us there. So we unlock that goal and uh, we make that happen. Uh, then it was our first time at UK Games Expo, which was actually a Patreon goal, which got unlocked thanks to the support of all the amazing listeners who support the show via there. And who's been, most of them has been supporting the show since around that time. I'm so thankful for that ongoing support. Each month uh, when I see that, it, it really encourages me to keep on uh, doing the work. That was it for the second season. Salut, je m'appelle Jean-Pierre. You recognize me from Paris as if you gone there. Tan skin, dark brown, no blonde hair. I make the ladies tremble like I was a bomb scare. Cigarette between lip. Take a hits and a white wine sip. I wear speedos when I take a dip. And I eat french fries, not chip. Rolling around through my bicyclette. With a guy in the garlic around my neck. Pull over pattern with stripes, not spotted and not checked. Never have a different atabra is a safe bet. I ate your guts, never make me rush. I got a lazy strut to make the ladies blush. I ate your guts, never make me rush. I got a lazy strut to make the ladies blush. Always kiss both cheek. Go on holiday for 16 weeks. I make sound when I speak like euh, Je ne sais pas Everybody in the audience Play on your accordions Everybody in the audience Play on your accordions Now everybody dance Everybody let's dance, let's dance like a man from France, like a man from France. Now everybody dance, everybody let's dance, let's dance. Like a man from France, like a man from France. Everybody in the audience. Play on your accordions Everybody in the audience Now everybody dance Everybody let's dance, let's dance Like a man from France Like a man from France Everybody dance Everybody let's dance, let's dance Like a man from France Like a man from France my moustache is paper thin Never have a bare head but raise the thing As I lean upon the bar with a lazy grin Sipping on a white wine is my favourite drink My moustache is paper thin Never have a bare head but raise the thing As I lean upon the bar with a lazy grin Sipping on a white wine is my favourite drink
cheek Go on holiday for 16 weeks I make sound when I speak like uh, Au revoir So to open the third season we had another birthday episode for which I did a survey and sort of worked out which was the favorite songs of the listeners which was the favorite actual play which was the favorite guest and so on Akadosh was my co-host for this one it was a lot of work I didn't really feel like doing that again this year creating the survey chasing people for answers my assumption is that you all prefer that I spend time recording and editing content rather than than doing that but uh, yeah this episode with Akadosh was quite cool it was the starting point for something new our first sideshow Café Rollist which was and still is the bonus show that we are recording for patrons. There's quite a lot. There's 80 or so episodes there, which we recorded with Akadosh, which you can find there in our archive. You can access them only there, despite some more recent Café Rollist now being made uh, available for free. More about that a bit later. So that's it. The first uh, Café Rollist. Welcome, everybody. We are sitting at the Black Hoof. Black Sheep? Black Hoof? Black Hoof. I, they changed the their name now. It's Black Sheep Coffee. What, what are you having? A flat white. Me too. Flat white with oat milk? Soya milk. Soya milk. So this is our little lunch break, coffee break. And we often talk about tabletop RPG. We do. So what are you playing at the moment Akadosh I am uh, playing a campaign of uh, D&D 5 the Out of Abyss campaign uh, well we, I, I played like for since December last year so it's been a long time we are not even halfway through we've been uh, having a pause like a month and a half pause so I'm starting over Thursday so what do you think of out of the Abyss? Of? Out of the Abyss? Out of the Abyss. Uh, actually, it's the same opinion as all the other supplements for D&D 5. It's mainstream, nothing happens, railroad, and uh, it really doesn't work as it is. You really need to work it, uh, make it what you like, and then actually play it. Uh, and my mistake was to believe in it saying like yeah it's Magic the Gathering it's Dungeons and Dragons it's going strong um, Magic surely, the Gathering? Uh, without of the Coast sorry it's Without of the Coast so those guys are serious there are big names on this the ND5 cannot go wrong but it's so mainstream it's useless I tell you <laughs> so what do you mean mainstream or it's um, I like the weird the quirky the violent uh, the really strongly personal Scenario, personal games, but uh, it's so the ND5 is so testless that nothing much happened. It's mainly about go from A to B, kill the monsters on the way, then go to point C, kill the monsters on the way, and that's it. Which is why I freaked out and left the table. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I discovered um, the word uh, hobo murderer. Yeah, when I left. <laughs> when you left. Uh, my, my problem was not... At the end, it was not so much what the campaign was, 
but uh, what was on the written on the package uh, it was sold to me as something much less railroady and uh, killing it's focused I thought it would be much different and I created a character who was uh, unwilling to kill creatures and uh, I thought more things things would be a bit more open I played a wizard and uh, with strong principles and it, it turned out that yeah, it was not appropriate for the, the campaign I don't know if do you think it would have been sorted if we had a session zero or were you mistaken yourself about the uh, campaign no no I really thought it was a sandbox I really thought okay it's just the, the beginning of the scenario uh, they say after level 5 it changes the characters change you have more powers you do more stuff I think I left at level 3 you <laughs> left at level 3 but me, no no it changes my, at level my, 5 I was like exactly, yeah no, exa- no it's all my players are level um they're level 9 they're level 9 now it's the same it's more of the same it's terrible Out of the Abyss is a railroad scenario that wants to look like a sandbox but it's not which means they explain the scenario in kind of a sandbox fashion but it's a railroad one which means it's actually very difficult to read very difficult to set up and prepare it's a complete nightmare and in the end it's just a railroad stuff our first actual play that year was Baron Munchausen with James Wallace himself, the author, which was a lot of fun. But what was even more fun was to have not only James Wallace, but a, a bunch of friends. That was the return of Gary Harper, Federica, Samuel Webb was there, and Ashley. I had cooked dinner, I had made a homemade strudel, some lentils and sausages meal, I don't know, because it felt a bit like Baron Minchosony. And we just had a very nice dinner, we drank quite a bit, and everybody asked questions, and Jim Swallis indulged us into stories of his career here in the UK, in the tabletop RPG industry. Just amazing stories from him. And uh, yeah, it's a formula I would love to replicate, having people from the industry, not only interviewing them in person, but having them over for dinner and a few drinks. That would be very nice. I think I would call that something like the Jim Swallis treatment. But uh, yeah, I didn't have an opportunity to do so again, sadly. I love the James stories in that episode. I think a few people would agree with me that it's not a coincidence uh, that James did the extraordinary adventure of Baron Minchosen because when he tells stories, you're not quite sure if he's as faithful as the Baron himself. Yeah, and you know, my boast is that I invented story games kind of by accident, or at least I didn't mean to. But it is kind of the first game of that type. Sure. At Hogshead, you know, after Munchausen was a success, we went, well, let's capitalize on this. Let's do other games in the same format. And we published Pantheon by Robin Laws, which is another GM-less story-based game. We published Puppet Land by John Tynes, which had come out before, which is this amazing... It is, it's a role-playing game, but it's, a, it's completely story-based, and it's so immersed in its background. And you don't say what your character did. You tell it as if it was part of a story. But yeah, there's a lovely new edition of, of Puppet Land. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And we published violence by designer x which is kind of it's the anti-dnd violence the rpg of egregious and repulsive bloodshed which he wrote in a weekend i suspect he may have been on something but i don't know for sure it's designer x is greg kostikian the great designer of the 1980s designed the first star wars rpg designed most of or was behind a lot of the really interesting west end games designs doing amazing work in in digital 
and those were essentially the first what are now you would look at them and go they are story games we didn't have a name for them i got into an argument with gary gygax over the internet who got a hold of a copy of munchausen and wrote to me and said i really like your game but it says on the cover it's a role-playing game and it's not a role-playing game and i should know <laughs> and uh and i went and we went back and forth a couple of times and and i finally said gary uh first edition dungeons and dragons claims on the cover to be a war game because the term role-playing game did not yet exist he went all right fair point um yeah so it's we had to wait we couldn't we, i could have put story game on the cover but no one would have known what that meant so we called it a role-playing game as to, as a kind of, you know, you know what this is. It's a game about playing roles yeah, and telling fair. stories. Shortly after that time, so as I mentioned, I had made a submission to join the RPG Academy Network and I was accepted in. So I had the pleasure of interacting with the shows which were part of this network then. Sadly, this network, for reason we sort of parted way, although no, I'm a member of the faculty at the RPG Academy. But uh, I was invited as a guest with the show Shadow of the Cabal. They had a side show in which you would watch movies and we would review them and discuss them from a, in part from a point of view of tabletop role-playing game. So it was uh, Shadows over the Cinema. And uh, we reviewed Koroneko, which was a 1968 Japanese movie I recommend to check out. But more importantly, because at the time we were looking for ways of doing more stuff together at the RPG Academy Network, that's where I borrowed the idea for RPG Academy Film Studies. So that was the starting point of that. And not too long after that, I mean, it was a couple months later that we started the RPG Academy Film Studies. But before that, I had my brother on the show. And again, it's a bit silly, but how... Having a show is an opportunity for conversations. I mean, it's nice, of course, to meet people. You never met people who are important in an industry. But what I found out with this episode with my brother and also all the Café Rollis we recorded with Akadosh and the episode I recorded also with members of La Guilde, people I knew somewhat well, is how when you sit down with microphones and a number of questions, you're having conversation you wouldn't have otherwise. And not only that, you document it, and it's a very interesting experience. It's quite unique, and it's something I would recommend people to try. If you have some ideas of starting your own podcast, I would say go ahead and do it, because that's one of the benefits of it. You will sit down and talk in ways you don't often have an opportunity to, even if you're playing role-playing games and you're always sitting around a table sort of chatting. You know, you're playing, you're not having this sort of discussion about your experience, about where you come from, about the games you enjoy or the things you enjoy and why. It's a big positive aspect for which I'm thankful for. So after that, what did we have? We had we are at my first faculty meeting with the RPG Academy. I wish I could record those more often with Michael uh, from the RPG Academy. Uh, sadly, because time zones, it's not always possible. But back in January 2018, that was the first time I had an opportunity to do that. And then we had our second podcast zone, which dramatically increased in scale with the number of podcasters who joined, which was not uh, without a challenge, nor without issues. But we did learn a lot from that experience. We still had very good moments. I really enjoyed 
playing a game with Joe Trier from Our We Roll podcast. It was the first time I properly met him. Playing with him was a big privilege. And sadly, there's a recording of that game, but it's lost to time because of a number of unfortunate circumstances. It's nobody's fault, really, but uh, that recording is sort of gone. And uh, But it's a pity because it's probably my all-time favorite session of Call of Cthulhu. So, yeah, I wish I had this recording, but um, sadly I don't. Maybe, who knows, it will come back to us. But uh, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I still have a... Very good memories of that. And then we had our first film studies. And two of my guests were actually from Shadow of the Cabal. So they definitely inspired film studies. It was only fair that they were my guests for the first one. And we covered Brotherhood of the Wolf. I'm very happy with film studies. I wish I could record more of them and edit them faster. It's a pleasure to concentrate on something very specific like a movie to showcase movies I'm familiar with, but people outside of France, Belgium, or even the UK could be less familiar with. It's good film, film studies. Again, a good opportunity to recruit podcasters from different shows to join me so we can mix up. And to do so online, which opens possibilities, because while I'm, I'm being strict with myself for the main show, it's nice to have a sideshow which allows me to record with people who are not in London and not available to meet in person, but we can still do it. And the feedback's been quite good about film studies. Sometimes I'm wondering if it would be more successful if I was doing only film studies, but uh, no, it's a sideshow. It's just uh, I'm treating myself when I record those. And then I had some visitors from Austria... We checked more MCU movies with Black Panther. In the meantime, we had checked others. In a short span, a second film study was recorded and released because the, the point at first was that I would not be recording. Well, it's still the point, but it's not happening as often as I wish. point is that it's not just me who hosts and record and edit them. Any podcaster can volunteer for that as long as they meet a, a number of criteria, which are not super hard. The second one was hosted and uh, edited by Dakota himself of Shadow of the Cabal. And if you do all that, you can pick the movie. So if you're a podcaster, you're listening to this. If you'd like to record the film studies and be broadcasted on this feed and other feeds, the feed of the, the RPG Academy, feel free to reach me out. My favorite moment is kind of weird. It's just there's kind of a montage of them traveling from Spain as a group to Africa, and there are two characters involved in that. I know one is called John, because spoiler alert, he dies at some moment in the movie, and his first name is yelled by his partner. But yeah, there, there's uh, Elsa. Are you talking about the Arab duo that's no, no, chasing after? No, no, no. There are two. There are two team members of Jackie's team, of uh, Asian Condor's team, and uh, Ada and Elsa, they are two Caucasian men. I think they are English. I men. totally forgot about these guys. And uh, yeah, there's this montage of them traveling into the desert and uh, crossing from Spain and they're having a lot of love. Their picnic gets eaten by a bear. They run out of water in their car radiator, so they have to pee in water bottles. And one of the unnamed Caucasian guys apparently can pee a lot in a big water bottle. What? 
And okay, wait, what, I don't. This scene. I feel like this was not in the movie that I watched. <laughs> yeah, this was not in the what? film we. I <laughs> Do you have bonus scenes that we don't have? <laughs> <laughs> no, that. No, wait. I'm gonna check this immediately. Uh, I got my YouTube, so I can tell you exactly when it happens in the movie. But it's this weird montage. Just at the moment, they leave Spain. There was no. There was just Jackie, Ada, and Ilsa, and. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm sure. No, I, I've watched this movie like half a dozen times. I've never seen <laughs> these two characters. <laughs> I thought maybe I looked on? away, but then he said a bear, and I was like, no. Are, are you kidding? They, they, at, at some, no, no, yeah, they, they even get killed by the mercenaries when they leave the camp after mm. Ada... And Elsa got kidnapped. I think this is dependent on the location and cut of your movie. In the version I watched, there. Yeah, it, it's weird because you got that montage and then you got a, a couple scenes in. Uh, I'm going to send you the link right now. And uh, yeah, the, that montage is so weird. But uh, yeah, that's John and the other unnamed uh, gentleman. And uh, yeah, it was uh, the montage is. Uh, is really funny and really out of place and maybe so out of place that it got cut out by some people. I think film studies, we are cursed with versions <laughs> of movies now because it's, it's clear for episode one, we didn't watch the right version of Brotherhood of the Wolf. I, I, I sent everyone a, a link to the video that I, I think that's what we're going to have to do in the future is make sure that everyone is watching the same version. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? It's funny because when I went to pull it up on Amazon too, um, there were like three different versions and all released different years too. So like one was 1993, one was 1997, and like they were both exactly the same length and had like the same number of stars, but like a different release year too. So then we had another actual player which I really enjoy was my baby shower so as i was saying uh life goes on alongside the story of the podcast at the time we were celebrating me and possibly expecting our son uh, and we had a manly baby shower on, on my side with the boys first of all it was an interview i really enjoyed with francois who left london then came back then he left again uh, i'm not quite sure but it was interesting to see what he's been up to or globetrotting coffee roasting friend and then we mix that with a actual play of uh, Lone Wolf with Akadosh, Simon, and Carlos. Yeah, it was also my first recording with my mixing table, which I was able to afford thanks to the support on Patreon. I think it was a step up in terms of the quality and the production level for the actual plays. So yeah, and, uh, and it was kind of those sessions which were sort of magical and hilarious things just clicked very well to the point that today well it's been a while since i did it but i've been doing tiktoks and you can find some on youtube 60 seconds extracts of that actual play with not animation but pictures of the character taken from the lone wolf cubicle 7 box set showcasing the game and the art in it but at the same time illustrating the action from the the audio recording and i think those work i recommend to check them out uh, maybe i'll put a link in the description of this episode as moonblade i will play a kylord with potent psychic powers i am highborn 
Yet very different from my fellow Kai, my heritage is a mix of Sumlending and Vasagonian. I manifested Kai's gift when I was only six years old. I am a natural psychic. I must walk a careful line between several worlds. I am a child of two nations and my mind traverses both the physical realm and the psychic plane. I often see things that no one else can perceive and hear whispers and shadows. My earliest memories are of speaking with the spirit of my grandmother, a wise woman who died ten years before I was born. <laughs> my gifts make me a natural diplomat and spy. I'm a great spy thanks to the advice from my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> I can, often I can disguise well, myself as elderly woman. Also. It's Moonblade. Oh. Moonblade, Moonblade, say this to him. Shut up, man, shut up, man. <laughs> Seen him for years. Ask him how he's been. <laughs> Time to discuss season four, which we started in uh, August 2018. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm really dreading recording uh, this month's episode. Doing it on my own is really not my cup of tea. Um, thanks for sticking around. If you are not a fan, well. Good news for you is that uh, I've been probably punished for doing that by spending several hours, to say the least, uh, editing this one. But uh, yeah, so sorry, <laughs> bit of a downer. Um, so yeah, that season we started with Satin Phoenix, who I met thanks to David Shepard. David was a fan of the Rollist podcast. One day, I checked the Facebook page of the Rollist, and I found out that. Someone tagged the page somewhere in a post and I follow the link and I find that it's a post by Satine saying that she will be traveling to Europe soon. She was asking for recommendations and turns out David, uh, who's from the tabletop RPG forum, uh, The Piazza, which I recommend to check out, especially if you are into traditional tabletop roleplaying with a lot of lore. There's a lot of very passionate fans there discussing Eberon, Darkson. The one in space, Spelljammer. Spelljammer? Yeah, I think it's Spelljammer. Well, he, lots of fans of those there. But yeah, coming back to Satine, he was quite simply recommending to Satine to get in touch with me so I could help out with uh, planning our travel and, and maybe other stuff. And uh, and she did get in touch with me because David was a long-time fan of Mesa Arcana. So he got us in touch. I helped her plan a trip a bit and then I planned... A little charity event at Leisure Games, which is a game shop I should do an episode about someday. Certainly would probably be the first one I would do uh, if you manage to reach that Patreon goal. So again, go ahead to Patreon to check that out. A little charity event there with the good folks of the Rusty Quill, as well as Grant Elwitt, the folks from uh, up to four players. It was quite a success. And the next day we had a, a private party where we recorded the episode I released with Satin, and also it was a meet and greet, specifically with streamers and podcasters. And uh, yeah, it was, again, it was a nice success. And the whole thing, in combination to what I did before with the podcast zone, which was not exactly a light, an event, but was a, a corner of a much bigger event organized by other people, that led me to get into the business of, uh, well, not business, to organizing live events. So that's what led to uh, the other Satin Phoenix event, Albert Moon Cafe, and then um, D&D for Mental Life, which I organized not exactly on my own because I had the support from London RPG Community, the Roleplay Heaven, and Bad Moon Cafe. But uh, yeah, it was my initiative. Another thing to add on the pile of things which was happening. 
So season four, we started beside that with uh, Delicatessen on the RPG Academy Film Studies, which is still my favorite film studies episode. It went very well with Scott and B. So my co-host for this one, I just loved how the conversation and the editing came together with audio extracts from the movie. It just blended very well. I even submitted that one for an Annie Award, which didn't happen. But uh, in my view, it deserved a, a nomination. There's a follow-up story to that because we have already recorded another episode with Scott and B because I had so much fun recording with them. So it's going to be a film studies about Black Cat, White Cat by Emir Costa Rica. Yeah, it's there. It's recorded. I need to edit it. But yeah, I don't have a backlog really anymore except for this one. But it's still a lot of work with other stuff. So I need to work on this one. Uh, so feel free to pressure me to release it. Bianca, what was your most favorite and least favorite moment in the movie? Less moments, but more kind of themes. What I really enjoyed and it kind of caught me by surprise was the incorporation of music and actions. So at the very beginning, when the landlord was having sex with the woman and you could hear like the springs that were making that rhythmic sound and then it cut over to the wife who was smacking the carpet and then those two started to sync up there was the clown worker who was painting and i really really enjoyed that it was just something i don't want to call it subtle necessarily but it was an unexpected coming together of all these mundane actions and then throughout the film they replayed a couple of things with rhythm to it and it really it really kind of brought everything together and i really enjoyed that Mm -hmm. It brought in elements of both of, of the fantastic, of, of all these activities syncing up, but also it, it served to kind of be a real early passive explainer of physical feature in the space that, that, that was really conductive to the rest of the episode, which was these pipes that they had, these sewer pipes going vertically through the building that had an auditory connection for all the rooms so that the butcher could listen to what the recent tenant was doing to decide when to kill them. Or so that the one brother of the two manufacturing brothers group could nefariously delude the bourgeois wife into believing that she was going mad and needed to kill her, and that also that she should hate the other brother. So I, I feel like they laid good groundwork for that with, with this, this simple rhythm concept of, of everyone can kind of hear everyone else's business. I like that. Uh, then that season we also had a special Phoenix Games Club episode which sort of finalized the format of what I want to do going forward each time. We'll cover a RPG club, which is an interview with members of the club, and then an actual play also with the members of the club. I think it gives a nice window on what a club is, the sort of games they play and how they play them, and also yeah, the sort of individuals and what's the story of the club. I think it's very fitting to cover a role-playing club like that. Also, again, tooting my own horn, I think the rule is, is the only one doing that. First of all, I don't know that many shows which dedicate episodes to role-playing clubs. And second, combining interviews with actual play, that's definitely something I haven't seen anywhere else. So yeah, there should be more of that. My hope is next to cover London in the RPG. But for pandemic reasons, I, I don't know when it's going to take place. I'm not sure how we will record an actual play in person. Could do it online, but I find it's a bit of a pity. We'll see what 2020 and 21 has in store for us. It's a unique way also to engage with the community. There's not that much podcast about the community itself. That leads into the next one, which was the episode I recorded at MCM Comic Con London, 
when uh, the cast of Critical Role visited us there, they were supposed to come back, but that was cancelled because of the pandemic as well, when uh, Comic-Con was delayed and then cancelled itself. I was aware of Critical Role, I was aware of the critters, but it was a really nice time interacting with them there, and I think it was a rather unique moment also for a lot of critters. I think it was nice to be able to document that, because a lot of critters there were from Europe, some Asia, some Africa, who had engaged a lot with one another online. But that was their very first time meeting in person. You could walk in the halls of MCM that year, see friendships moving to a next stage. People who could be close online, or maybe sometimes just aware of one another, meeting in person, sharing this passion for a critical role. Yeah, just becoming friends, just in very obvious, warm manner, right in front of you. It was quite magical and quite in tune with the cast of Critical Role themselves. Obviously, they're extremely successful in all little community. But I must say I was very impressed by Matthew, Sam, Liam, Marisha, and even Brian. It was very impressive to see them interact with their fans. It came across extremely earnest, again, very warm. It was like ASMR to be standing on the side of their meet and greet queues and see them interact with fans. MCM also, it was funny for me to be there because I was. I mean, I get a press pass when I go to Expo or Dragon Meet, but MCM is kind of an even bigger deal. So when you had, uh, when I was going around there with a press pass, it was an opportunity for me to go in um, the VIP, well, not exactly VIP, but behind the stage and go to Q&As, which were limited to the press and uh, interact a bit directly with some of the actors who were there. People like Zach Callison, who voiced Steven Universe. And it was funny to interview them and ask everyone also, different panels who are not really connected to our hobby, to ask them if they had ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons or Vampire the Masquerade or Tabletop Roping Games in general. And I'm quite proud to have uncovered some air quote scoops as part of this one. Uh, there were a few celebrities who revealed that they had played role-playing game. Apparently, Azer Butterfield is a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, would be nice to catch him on the microphone. And apparently, that was it for season four. I'm a bit confused because I had to look at all the files of all the episodes and I found out that I mislabeled all the episodes from season five. I forgot to make the conversion from four to five. So 4-4, four, four, I think that was it. It was not that many episodes, something like eight episodes, including the multi-part, which doesn't make sense, actually, eight episodes, because I still released one per month. What happened there? Not quite sure. Um, I will have to investigate that. Okay, so let's take some questions. Yes, please. Uh, in connection with the introduction scene of uh, the scene, my, My question is, which I asked earlier, I didn't plan to be your fault because of that intro scene. Is there any among you three who played Dungeons and Dragons or would like to try? There you go. Well, I played, I played Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s. And I, I had a very, very powerful elf that I still... Uh, I still keep in the bottom drawer for uh, rainy days. Amazing. Hermione, Finn, 
Oh god, I was the wrong answer. I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm so so sorry about that. I'll tell you, i tell you who does play Dungeons and Dragons. Asa Butterfield is a huge Dungeons and Dragons Massive, player. massive fan. I've... And he has promised that he's going to teach us all how to play. So, Good, yeah. Well, he is an elf. <laughs> yeah, he truly is. I can confirm that now. Oh man, if only you'd had loads of spare time on set, you could have played on set. I will learn. I'm open to learning. So yeah. That is the promise. Okay, thank you very much Nick, thank you. Alright, I checked that I worked out the mystery of season 4, which was so short. What happened is that I had this big backlog of UK Games Expo episodes, and since they were multi-part, I all wanted them to be within one season. So as a result, the third season had 16 episodes, while the fourth season had eight episodes. But that's because the third season overspilled into the season four. I'm sure no one cares except me, but uh, I wanted to sort that out. That brings us to season five, uh, which didn't even have a mention of the anniversary then, so we missed that one. At least it had a mention in the Satin episode, but not this year, so it's probably part of the reason why I mislabeled things. We started with an episode abroad, which was recorded in Barcelona. Another role-playing club, but sadly without an actual play, because I um, just took advantage of some family holidays to record there. I reached out to several clubs there, and I ended up recording with Sans Nigorat, which was quite convenient because they were just a walk away from a Belgian beer bar, which is owned by my best friend. Amazing folks there. I really wish I would have had an opportunity to play with them. I hope I go back. I probably will someday. Another thing I'm proud of, tooting my own honor yet again. I mean, <laughs> this is old episode, isn't it? It's me on my own talking about my creation, the show. Correct me if I'm wrong, but good luck going out there and finding another podcast which recorded an episode in English about a Catalan role-playing club. Again, mentioning the patron and thanking the patrons supporting the show. It wouldn't be possible without all of you. I would be able to afford the equipment I have and what I'm doing. But I'd be keen to record more episodes abroad, traveling specifically to record them or extending a bit my time there in order to make room and arrangements to make these happen. But go check out this episode. That was also another first in this one. That was the first time I reached out to cover singers. I'm not sure what they call, but this episode includes a number of songs. Oh no, it was the second one because I had cover singers for MCM as well. But for this one in Barcelona, I was quite proud also to include covers of geeky TV shows in Catalan. So we had some Dragon Ball Z and I believe some Steven Universe and more in Catalan and uh, something which is dear to my heart to showcase a bit different languages that was really cool to be able to include that.
end of that season, we started yet another show. We started the Role is Present, which is our online panel show, which is an opportunity for me to interact with people I cannot meet in person, but still focus on the European scene. We started, was not, I'm not sure it was called the Role is Present yet. Uh, the first episode is called Episode Zero. It was about tabletop RPG between the channel and the pond, and we had Dr. Leonardi, Becky Anderson, and Kat Tobin. It was such a joy to record with the three of them. It was great to meet them again later at Dragon Meet. I don't think I had the idea for the race present before this episode, so it was sort of it before it happened. It was a panel for Academic Online with the RPG Academy. The three guests were so great to record with that after that I wanted to do more, and thus was born the release present. Um, Right after this one, I released a Dragon Meat episode, which was almost a year late. I released it in uh, October, while Dragon Meat is in November. Yeah, it was a time when I had a lot of stuff in my backlog, and I had troubles catching up with it. Maybe in part because I was, well, at the time I was employed, which I'm not anymore. Uh, I was, uh, there was no uh, COVID again. But also, I was organizing uh, that first live event that October, D&D for Mental Health. It was tough. I mean, it's work. Uh, whenever you participate to a, a live event, I really recommend to ponder and be kind to the organizers because it takes a lot of time from them. I came out of that experience with a huge respect for the people organizing stuff like Dragon Meet and Expo because it, it's just work, even organizing something as little. Even with the amazing help from the Roleplay Heaven, who sponsored, they put money up front to pay for cost before we successfully some fundraising. We had also London RPG community who provided game masters and organized all the games. And Bad Moon Cafe was kind enough for having us in affordable conditions. We got a lot of help for this one. It was definitely a team effort to, to make it successful. I'm not sure even if I said that already, but uh, D&D for mental health, well, it was a success. The plan was to make a sequel to it, RPG for mental health. Not necessarily Dungeons & Dragons, maybe something else, but again, something with the pandemic, which is sort of on hold. I can say comfortably, there won't be a RPG for mental health in October 2020, sadly, but uh, it might come back uh, when things get better. Still plowing through the backlog, we had our series about London RPG community, uh, which was a very cool D&D session. Probably one of the best ever D&D sessions I ever played. The Game Master Andy was amazing, and we had great people around the table, Tasha, Nuno, and Ria. It was also one of the best conditions to record an actual play. Dasha found us a nice meeting room with a good acoustic. We had space. I could lay my equipment just as I wanted. By this point, I had microphones for everyone from the game master to players. Everyone had an individual microphone with their little stand. So everything was in place. Andy was kind enough to follow a brief I had handed him regarding the format and what was the best and should be avoided as part of a somewhat short format actual play like that. Jolly good time. 
would need to hire an artist to do portraits of the characters. But uh, at some point, I would like to do something like I did with The Lone Wolf, which are mini animated snippets of the episode with pictures of the character showing up when they're talking. Again, check on YouTube or Lone Wolf animations or on TikTok where they were created. Animation is... They are not animated. It's just barely more than a PowerPoint presentation, but uh, it's still quite funny to follow. Four parts, and uh, yeah, I love this format, but it's at least four months, if not six, working on a single series, and uh takes its toll. It also, the sort of things which creates that backlog, uh, I sometimes have. Yeah, I'd like to do more of them, but each time I do one, it really takes a big place in the... Re- I mean, it literally takes a third of the episodes we release within one year. It's a four-part episode out of, of 12 episodes released within a year, so it's a big chunk. Maybe with London Indie RPG, especially with the indie games, it would be nice to play something uh, shorter so we can fit it in a two-part episode rather than a four-part. But uh, still, that's something I'd like to do with there are a lot of different clubs, like having a club each year. That would be cool. Well, write me back to tell me what you think about that or tweet. I just want to make sure that you understand that I am the hero of the mission and I'm bringing people. Of to course, help. we're just your supporting yeah. cast. I mean, it, you don't have to believe it, but I just want to keep my face in front of the I tribe. I totally believe you. Yeah. You will be in the front all the yeah, time. Because it's don't really important. Because yep. my ex lives there and I really like don't want to seem like, you know, I'm not over him yet. Oh. Uh, what? <laughs> Do you have an axe? An axe? No, I got my hammer. No, uh, someone that you were in love with, but things didn't work out. And so they're ex, ex lover, not an axe lover. That's 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 you. Little. Yeah. My Either. love goes to Barona True Silver. It's my goddess. And it's working out pretty well. So this might happen many times along the journey, so be aware. Uh, Oh, I'm totally into it. What's your goddess look like? She's the most beautiful thing. Her figure is like huge on the toughest rock you could find. You speak with such passion about her. Please don't encourage this. Listen, there are all kinds of love in this world and realms. Yeah, All kinds. Then we had another episode which was released a year or so after it was recorded. It was an episode with uh, James and Mel D'Amato who visited us in London. James and Mel are from One Shot Podcast or even One Shot Network, which is uh, it's one of the best places you can go to check out tabletop RPG actual plays, actually. Uh, got Campaign, which is about Star Wars. got One Shot RPG, which, which is, as the title says, One Shot. So usually episodes are just one or two parts. And they showcase a different role-playing game, which I dream maybe would be nice to uh, convince them to do uh, something for Paris Gondo. That's kind of my daydreaming things about uh, the game I'm developing. So who knows, uh, maybe that will be happening. Just after this episode, the pandemic happened. That was the lockdown. That's around that the time it was released that I, I recorded our latest episode with Chaosium. It turned out uh, I found an opportunity to catch up on my backlog because I could not record more things. It created another opportunity, which was Café Rollist, or bonus show for Patreon, 
normally was recorded during lunch breaks, usually with Akado, sometimes Persophilia, sometimes other people, they were recorded in person in coffee shops, part of our lunch breaks. But uh, because of the pandemic and yeah, us being locked in our individual homes, no more Café Roli, so that was what was about to happen. So instead, I started recording Café Rollista online, first with Jane Hermiston. And the point was, well, if I record it online, I might as well stream it. And if I stream it, I might as well put it on YouTube. Then I was taking the audio from those YouTube videos and putting them on our Patreon. So they're the first to get an audio-only version of our Café Rollista and access to all archive of the Café Rollista. And then, well, since it's on YouTube anyway, for free, I ran a little survey with our patrons to make sure they were ha- they didn't mind. And they allowed me to release also those episodes on our regular feed, which I do after adding a little bumper and theme song and so on. And that's why you had a, a volley of them already uh, a few weeks, if not a month and a half ago. And I've got a lot more which are already released on the Patreon, which are not released on the public feed yet. And even way more which are on YouTube, uh, neither on the Patreon nor or the, the podcast feed, which I need to release. But uh, sadly, just converting from the audio to the video, then uploading them, then writing the text for the, the episode, posting them on Patreon, then adding the bumpers and posting them again on the public feed, it takes a silly amount of time. So that's another thing I'm way behind with. So it's not even stuff I need to edit, but just releasing that content takes an awful lot of time. And so, yeah, it's kind of a plea. If someone among you is interested in helping, I'll be very happy to put the episode on the cloud or somewhere and uh, find a a way that you could help me uh, publish them because I would really wish I wasn't behind like that, but I just am because I'm working also on Paris Gondo. In the meantime, I recommend people to subscribe on YouTube or and on Twitch, maybe to watch them live. Uh, usually they record them from 2 p.m. British summer time, which is 9 a.m. Eastern daytime. Uh, what do you call it? Well, the, the current time of the East Coast in the U.S. We've got a few viewers now and then on Twitch. It's really, really nice to have people comment uh, as we are recording. There's a whole bunch of content awaiting you there. If you really need it on the podcast feed, you know, all I need sometimes is encouragement because all this stuff, I need to give them priorities. If I receive feedback that people are a bit disappointed or sad that these things doesn't get released more regularly, well, it would become more of a priority of my work on other stuff. Uh, that's me. I'm all alone here. Uh, I got the, again, I'm thankful for the support of my patrons. But, uh, yeah, I'm literally on my own doing anything uh, one-man orchestra. But uh, I'm keen to reorganize stuff uh, in a way which fits what, what you're looking for. My second ice-breaking question, you sort of answered it. Maybe you got something else. Did you pick up any skills with software, tools, or anything, or hobby uh, during the quarantine? I've been, I've been gardening, actually. Oh, nice. I've been gardening. So, so we are so we're lucky no enough to have... So, no kids and a garden. You, you are like the... I know, right? It's great. Class. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah like, like we, are, we are massively privileged. Like, like thankfully, we had... We had uh, like a lump sum of money spare last year. I say spare. We'd saved up for ages. 
uh, and we moved things around and we were able to get a down payment on a house on a, on a flat uh, in East London. And thankfully, it came with a garden. And so this uh, this year, um, I've, I, I finished writing Heart and I was getting more and more stressed out and more and more weird. And I was like, well, I should go on a holiday because I haven't been on a holiday for two and a half years. I don't really know what they're like. And <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at taking them either. Like I just tend to like, so I was, I was on the train. I was coming back from, from, from Scotland. I was on the train. I was thinking, what do I want to do for a holiday? What do I, where do I want to go? And all the places I was thinking was like, oh, I could go and write role playing games somewhere else, which is not a holiday. <laughs> So instead of doing a holiday, I, um, uh, I took the money that we would have spent on that and, and, and spent it on gardening supplies and building supplies. And I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll see if I, I've got the silver show. Yeah. I just put my camera out the window. Exclusive for Cafe Rollist, uh, Great yeah, Owens yeah, Garden. Yeah. See, yeah, there we go. There we've got some, um, got some, some big, some big currently empty planters out there. Uh, and a bird, a birdhouse and stuff. That's cool. You That's could hide cool. a few corpses in there. You could hide a few corpses. That's the thing. They're not quite six foot down, so the foxes are probably going to get them. <sighs> so, yeah, and, uh, let's end season five. So, we ended with a shop abroad, Trollun, which is kind of a legend. I mean, I had heard of it so much before visiting it. So, it, it was very appropriate that we made an episode about it. And then uh, finally, your pre-plague Chaosium episode with Ian Cooper and David Scott, which turned to be very popular, apparently. I think we had a, a few fans of Chaosium who joined our listeners. A few among them. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much also for making all the way till the end of me rambling alone. There should be more Chaosium content coming. The release won't be centered on Chaosium. It's not centered on any game, really. But uh, there are already plans and contacts with... Uh, I won't say anything specific, but I mean, first of all, we I had a very good time with Ian and David. I look forward to going to more of their events as soon as they resume. And second, it's always a pleasure to record anything with Linardi, who is the head of the Cthulhu line at Chaosium and uh, who's also in charge of Rivers of London. It's just a pleasure to interact with Chaosium. Rick Mines also. And Mike? Did I record with Mike? I had an interview with him at Expo once. Well, long story short, interacting with Chaosium is a pure delight. So there will be more of that. <sighs> and that's it. Uh, we will continue. This one is the first one of season six. Our next episode is already recorded. I recorded it with Joe Winter. There's a nice picture on Instagram of the two of us while we were recording. I had a very good time recording with this up-and-coming London-based game designer. I look forward to starting editing on that and then after that i don't know i will need to actually i should start to worry about what i'm gonna record actually it's about time i worked out who will be my next guest because you need to make arrangements but uh, at the same time it's exciting to be again in that spot where i do not have a backlog so like you're all listening to the show. I have no clue what the next episodes and what the year is going to be like. I'm just uh, looking forward to be, what's the word? Surprised. Yeah, surprised. You know, there's something I don't know if I still manage to do it. I think I, I was better at that in the early days. But what I hope is that I keep surprising you with the show. That's something which really matters for me. 
So yeah, that's why I hope my guests are guests you haven't heard of on other shows, or maybe we're having conversations with those guests which you haven't heard on other shows and on places and clubs and all of that. So my commitment to you is that I will continue the race podcast and my goal will continue to be to surprise you all. And uh, all I ask in return is that you keep listening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's it. And there won't be uh, the usual long credit. I think you heard enough of me. But uh, as usual, I'm so thankful for any form of feedback. So feel free to tweet at me, send me an email. Any Apple podcasts or reviews on other platforms, they really mean a lot to me. I really wish I got more of them. And, and feel free to give pointers about what you prefer and what you, you don't like as much about the show. I'd be very curious about that. Feel free to contact me to be a guest on the show. Each different show has different conditions. During this podcast, ideally, I meet people in person. They were just present. I like to make those panels and debates. So if you have a Kickstarter to promote, I'm happy to have you there. But we're trying to work out a subject about which you can discuss with other people. Café Rolis is the easiest. You can be anywhere in the world. Uh, you're happy to, to come here and talk about your game or anything, really, uh, what you're doing. You just need to be available on either Monday, Wednesday, or Friday at 2 p.m. British Summer Time or 9 a.m. EDT, so East Coast uh, time, and uh, I have you on the show. That's a nice thing with Cafe Royce. I'm happy to have whoever. And finally, there's film studies. Film studies, if you are a podcaster and that you think you're quite good with editing, you're welcome to volunteer to run an episode of film studies. There are a few conditions. Among the guests, you will need to have myself or someone else from the RPG Academy. But if you commit to host the episode and edit it, then you pick the movie, and then you will be on my feed. You will be on the feed of the RPG Academy as well. It's nice exposure. I mean, even for myself, it's, it's really great when I end up uh, with an episode on the RPG Academy feed. It's very popular, so it's quite nice. And uh, Michael from the RPG Academy has been such a big support for the Rollist as well. Hello, Michael, if you're listening to that. I'm so thankful to be part of the faculty and for the little interactions we had. I wish we had more. Curse those stupid time zones which makes life difficult but uh yeah i'm sure we'll have more in the future and that's it really uh happy anniversary the release podcast happy anniversary to you released so you know in one shot network the people who listen to them are called heroes i hope you don't mind me calling you released finger because you what that's what i say to people sometimes i run into people at convention they point at me and they say, oh, you are the rollist. And I answer, no, you are the rollist. Because it's the rollist plural. The rollist, it's not me. It's you. It's a community. That's what the show is about. Thank you again for making it all the way through this monologue of mine. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for checking out all the episodes which are out there. Thanks again to the patrons. And I uh, hope you will be back next month for our episode with Joe Winter which will be the first one recorded in the new normal. And in the meantime, have good games. This episode included Whiskey Girls by Kids, Man from France from Simon Panrucker, 
and of course our team song, Sota of Rango by Bonded or Roll. These songs are available for free download at the Free Music Archive. This episode also included Lum Fok the Truthio by Red Square, which you can find on Google Play. Our logo is designed by Rolling Kunst, and you can find it as well as more art by Rolling Kunst and myself on a variety of apparels, including face masks, on our T Public store, for which you'll find the link in the description of this episode. Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vesti Vai batuque! Rolê, rolê, rolê Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê, rolê Maybe some of you noticed that this episode's number is 42. Well, little story here. I sort of promised to Xani, it was his idea, that episode 42 of the Aurelius podcast would be a special about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But, yeah. Another victim of COVID. Also, I'm not that well informed about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so... I will give this one a pass. Maybe for episode 142 or 420 or 42,000. We'll see. Sorry, Xani. <laughs>